So you have your Bibles and your, or your sermon notes that are available to you there. Go ahead and get them out. I'm reminding you, uh, in this series, uh, we are looking at the Scripture in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Which is such a, a nice way of saying, you're ignorant about spiritual gifts, and I don't want that. You didn't hear it that way? That's how I heard it. That's, anybody ever hear it that way? So don't be ignorant about this. But here's something else. Don't believe that it's acceptable to be ignorant about it. Don't believe that it's acceptable. That I, this is stuff that I've read, not comfortable with it, so I'm not going to read it anymore. Uh, and, you know, it's good to see some people moving in gifts of the Spirit, but that's not for me. So that's not acceptable. And then he goes on in verse 7. To each one, uh, one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So people need the gifts to operate in your life. Specifically, everybody doesn't act the same way. But, But we need the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life for others. It's not just for you. We sometimes think the gifts are just for us, but they're not. They're not. They're for others. And you say, I just hate it when people are like publicly acting in the gifts of the Spirit they're kind of public, sort of the idea behind it. When somebody prays for you, you want them to be able to pray spiritually for you, not just in, in their head. So he, he goes on, and then he begins to list uh, some of the Spirit. Uh, you know, to, to one, the message of wisdom. To another, knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts uh, of the Spirit uh, by the same Spirit. And he goes on. To another, uh, uh, gifts of healing, to another, miraculous power, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of languages, tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each as he determines. Now, verse 14 reads this way, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. So uh, if you have the spirit, you should accept the things that come from the spirit. For they are foolishness to him, and they cannot, and, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I gave you that cute little illustration, but it still jumps into my heart when uh, my granddaughter, Evelyn, came to the Christmas tree, and, and she looked at it, and it was a week and a half later, and she said, where did all the presents go? And I can see Father looking at us at his church these days and saying, where did all the presents go? Where did all the gifts go? And it's as simple as a child. Where did they go? I want God to do more in my life. So today, I want to talk to you from the thought unwrapping the gifts, looking at 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I love the Bible. Anybody have one? I love it. Remember, when we talk about the Bible, three words for for word, uh, rhema, is the one that we're focusing on. Logos, the message, and then graphe, the written word. We're so grateful for the written word, but you have to read it in order for it to make a difference. And then you also, not only should you read the word, but you should also get the message of the word. You want to know the context. You want to hear what God is saying to you. And then thirdly, you want to get the rhema because there's a word for the season that you are in, a right now kind of word. I love the Bible. I love it practically. I, I was uh, reading this uh, this morning, he will give his angels charge over you. Do you love that? 
How many know that there are angels? Do you know that? And if you read scripture, you find out that you actually have angels assigned to you specifically. I know that sounds weird, but you do, and you want that. I've had moments where I just felt the angelic presence of God take over a situation, and I'm alive because of those particular moments. Uh, we also have all kinds of biblical statements about that, but that's supernatural. But there are other moments uh, that you hear about in scripture, like how many have heard of Moses and the burning bush? Okay, how many believe Moses was just having a weird day? Like he drank a little too much that day or something. And he said, the bush was burning. No, literally he saw a bush that was burning and it was not consumed. There was no physical explanation for this moment. And God spoke to him, got his attention in that moment. And then if you follow, you remember the children of Israel were thirsty and water came out of a rock. Remember that? They were hungry. They were irritated about it. They ended up with manna, bread. Manna means what is it? Didn't know what it was. Never had it before. Never seen it at Food Lion before. But there it was, laying right there on the ground. And they ate it. They also, you probably also remember other stories like Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. Do you remember that story? Where they walked around the walls and, and on the seventh day all the walls fell down and they were victorious. You remember these stories? You remember David and Goliath? You remember that story? Everybody knows David and Goliath. Shake your head up and down. You gotta remember David and Goliath. So here's this, this, this skinny little kid who all he does is hang out in the shepherd's field and there is a giant who is threatening and he comes and he defeats the giant with a slingshot. So I love these stories. I also love the prophets. I love Samuel. Anybody love the prophet Samuel? So there's actually a book in the Bible called Samuel. It's about all the things that Samuel does. There's a lot of the books called the prophets. You've probably heard Jeremiah, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum. You're saying, Pastor, who are you talking about? But they're literally prophets uh, in, in the Word of God who prophesy. They actually speak words from God. Samuel, Elijah. How many remember Elijah? Remember a lot of stories about Elijah. Uh, and in fact, when uh, John the Baptist comes, he comes in the spirit and the power of Elijah. You remember the prophet Nathan? He's the one that called David out about Bathsheba. You got to have somebody that knows how to speak up. Uh, Isaiah, Joel. In fact, one of the words of Joel is written in Acts chapter 2 because Peter on the day of Pentecost. People are saying, what is this that's going on? And Peter says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And you can see it in Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, when I read that to you, you kind of sort of like it. But then you kind of say, well, I've got to put this in the right context. When he says that, there's some very important things. First of all, it is, it is Joel that prophesied this. And then Peter, at his first sermon opportunity, uses this particular prophetic statement that what you are experiencing is an answer to what Joel prophesied when he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And, and, and if you look in the back of that, he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, when you read this, 
Some of you might read it like you read the Old Testament stories and say, yeah, I know there was Moses in a burning bush, but that was then. You know, we're not going to see burning bushes now. We're not going to see that. Or you see walls fall down, or you see all of these other moments in Scripture where the people were, were supernaturally given water or food. You say, well, that's not for now. And that attitude gets you in trouble. So you understand, God did not retire. God is not collecting. Collecting a pension. God is, God, come on, God is not on Medicare, Medicaid, He's not any of that. God did not lose His voice when Jesus rose from the grave and ascended from heaven. In fact, Jesus said, You're going to experience what I have done. In fact, you're going to see greater things than I've done in your life. And then Peter, after the outpouring of of Pentecost, when people are coming out of the upper room and they're actually proclaiming the wonderful works of God in languages that they do not know, and people are hearing these things, then Peter, he affirms that by going back to Joel chapter 2. But he said, this is not the end. He says... I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, I'm glad we got some old men and old women in this house. Can I get an old man? Amen right now. Come on, we're just old men. Got some old ladies in the house. Shout amen. Come on, Tootsie's back there. She is not ashamed, all right, that she is the senior of all of us in the house. She's a, come on, Tootsie, can I get an amen from you? Yes. Amen. Amen. And uh, she's loving God and praising Jesus. I was watching her worship uh, this morning as we were singing uh, out of the, the scripture. And, and Emery, he was, jumping, he was kind of pointing at her back there because of the worship that she was offering. And I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that we have people who have been down the road, people that, you know, are my age or even older than me. I know I'm getting older than a lot of folk these days. But, but at the same time, I, I'm glad. But you know how young folks look at us sometimes? They think I'm cute. And not like when I was 16 and cute. They think I'm 60 cute. Look at him trying to act like he can do stuff. Look at, look at him talking about how he can do things and run and wrestle and all of that, you know. Look at, look at them old people talking about dreams again, you know, to get all excited and walk around. Do you see Sister Joy walking around with her hands praising God and all of that today? They just think we're all kind of cute. You know, can, can I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm cute. But can I add to this? We need some young prophets today. We desperately, can I talk to some young folks? We need some young prophets. We need some young dreamers. We need this. And that's what Joel is saying, that's what Peter is saying, last days. I mean, we're looking at the world and saying, what's going on in the world right now? And, and, I, and I know that, you know, graduating and heading off to Miami, you're going to do some supernatural things there. But at the same time, I want you to know that even so, the Lord Jesus is wrapping things up, right? We're seeing the truth of what, what God wants to do. So out of this, I want you to know that you need to hear from God in these days. I like gifts. Some people don't. I mean, gifts in general are too complicated. You know, what if I don't like it? What if it's the wrong size? 
And some people don't even like giving gifts at Christmas or on your birthday. You don't like that because, you know, do I have to give a gift? And if I give a gift, is it going to be the right size? And, and, you know, am I paying too much? I mean, is this supposed to be a $20 gift or is it a $25 gift? Or can I just go down to five and below and get something cheap and get on down the road? And if they give me a gift back, then we have to do this for the rest of our lives. Every year at this time, we have to give gifts back and forth. See, our problem is sometimes we don't even like spiritual gifts. We don't know what to do with them, and if we start now, are we gonna, is this who we're going to be for the rest of our life? If the Holy Spirit actually starts using us and speaking through us, are people going to look at me like, I'm a weirdo? What's going on with this? You see, our problem is not that we don't want the gift. Our problem is we just struggle with the whole idea of unwrapping the gift. So I want to talk about unwrapping specifically a gift today. Is it real? Am I crazy? I love the miraculous, but does the Holy Spirit have to use me? Can he just use old people? Wouldn't that be all right? If he just uses old people, I can laugh and go home. Ultimately, the questions ultimately position people in a place where they struggle with desire. Can I talk to my young crowd today? Do you even want Holy Spirit to direct your life? Are you ready to get a word from the Lord in your particular situation do you have a desire for spiritual gifts? I mean, are, are, this Christmas, are you finally going to get to Santa Claus after last year? And he's going to ask you, what do you want for Christmas? And then you're not going to get it because your mama didn't hear about it or something of that nature. And are, are you going to struggle with the, did you get what you want? Do I, I want a gift, but I want it to look like this and be shaped like this and in a package like this. I want it in a bag. I don't want it wrapped with tape. So here's the truth. If you don't want anything, you're not going to get anything. Amen. You're not. But 1 Corinthians reads this way, desire spiritual gifts. The word desire is translated from the Greek word zelos, which is where we get the word zeal. But it means to have a warm and loving feeling towards something. To desire spiritual gifts. I want to have this warm, loving sense towards it. Kind of uh, the way when you've seen that great-grandbaby, you know. it's Anybody got grandkids besides me? I mean, how many just love kids? Anybody just love kids? You love, love to give them back is what you do. But, I mean, you just want to squeeze them and hold them and that sort of thing. It's, it's how you should feel about gifts of the Spirit. It's a, it's a card from your loved one. Uh, anybody remember Writing, handwriting, anybody remember that? We used to do that. We, it's an ink pen, and you would actually write stuff down. Anybody, does anybody still know how to do cursive? Do you know how to do that? What? I heard they don't teach that anymore, which I think is kind of fun, but I kind of enjoy it. I like being able to write just a little faster so nobody can understand it but myself. Uh, my, my wife and I, we wrote letters to each other when we were uh, girlfriend and boyfriend, a hundred years ago when we were dating, and we kept every one of them. So there, we have, a, we have a, a, a photo album that has all of our love notes that we gave back to each other, gave back and forth to each other. We also have, we keep, we keep all of our cards to this day. We give each other a Christmas card, we stick it in the drawer, you know, hang on to it, because those words are very important. I remember when my mother passed away, I collected all of her journals, I collected all of, uh, all of her notes, I, I hold on to them, and they are precious to me. Let me explain. 
Having the gifts of the Spirit is not just for those in ministry. It is this reality that God loves you and He wants to send notes to you. And He wants to speak to you. He wants to give them to you while you're sleeping. He wants to give them to you while you're driving down the road. He has words for you. And I, and I want to help you with your desire of spiritual gifts. Specifically, today, I want to speak to you about one that you're probably most familiar with, and that's prophecy. Because as Spirit-filled believers... It's important that you flow in the gifts of the Spirit for life, not just for Sunday church and revival meetings. I believe there is spiritual warfare regarding the topic of gifts. Some people are against them. Others are for them and so for them that they fake them. I said it. And then there are many Spirit-filled people that are naive. They just skip what the Bible says regarding spiritual gifts altogether. And then others are so certain that they are just not available that they just ignore it altogether. If spiritual gifts are not available, then why should we even pray for people to be healed? Why should we even do that? I mean, you know, what we should do when people get sick is we should say, well, good luck with that. Hope you get some great care. And what do I do with a sudden understanding? Anybody ever had a sudden revelation of what God is doing? Have you ever had that? Oh, oh, God is busy right now. What do you do with those coincidental moments in your life where somebody said something that answered the question to you at exactly the right moment? What do you do with that sudden understanding? What, you, what, what, should, what should we do about Jesus telling his disciples, you will do works I do and even greater works? I have a feeling that some Christians today just want to survive and get to heaven rather than to be effective and victorious. And I, anybody like me, you just want your well done one day. I am certain of this. The Lord wants us to embrace and to be empowered practically by the Holy Spirit. Your effectiveness as a believer will be impacted by what you believe, by your lifestyle, and also your desire or lack of desire for spiritual gifts to operate in your life. So the truth about spiritual gifts is all over the, the New Testament. Read the read this scripture in the opening. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I always thank God for you because His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him... You have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So Paul is writing. He says, I want you to be enriched in every way. And further, there was confirmation of the message of Christ in them. Notice the word, therefore, the testimony of Jesus Christ was confirmed in that they do not lack in any spiritual gifts. So if you are a believer in Jesus, and the works of Jesus, you should be aware of gifts of the Spirit. But God doesn't just want us to know about spiritual gifts. He wants us to flow in giftedness that is of the Holy Spirit. So hear me. God wants us to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now I already read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, there are nine gifts listed here. He lists more in Romans 10. There are many ministry offices in Ephesians. But in this particular area, there are three categories of spiritual gifts. There are, there are uh, vocal gifts, 
There are revelatory gifts and there are power gifts, vocal gifts. There's prophecy and then there's tongues and interpretation and then revelatory gifts. There's wisdom and knowledge and discerning of spirits and then power gifts, faith, gifts of healing. And that's plurality, not just a gift of healing, but gifts of healing and miracles. Now, are you still with me in this? Or are you just really hoping I'll get over this so we can go back to not having gifts again? Just check yourself. I want you to check yourself right now. Check yourself. How many would like to flow in the gifts of the Spirit in your life? Anybody? Okay. So the good news is that God has given you several gifts already. He wants to use you in gifts. You don't deserve it. You don't qualify it. That's why we call them spiritual gifts or charismata. They are gifts given by grace. But some of us haven't discovered or used them. You haven't learned to listen or respond. So I want you to remember this directive. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire, desire spiritual gifts. Don't get that backwards. Don't pursue gifts and then, and, then, and then get some love later. I mean, you're going to do all of this. You don't have love. All your gifts are going to be kind of weird. Let me tell you something that we believe Regard here, Freedom Fellowship. We believe the gifts of the spirits, the gifts of the Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, did not cease with the death of the apostles. So, what we believe, there are a large group of Christians who teach and live as though gifts of the Spirit are not available today. And I love them, but I grieve for them. If we ever needed the gifts of the Spirit, it is today. Now, anybody know me? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm crazy, all right? I, I come from that depth. Anybody else come from that? Where are my Catholic brothers and sisters? Anybody there? My Catholic folk? Any, got, any, uh, got any Episcopalians or Presbyterians or something, isms? Anybody got, you know, I, I don't know where you are, but uh, any, any Assembly of God, Church of God, Holiness, Pentecostal, you shouldn't say, hey, you, shouldn't, you should be going, yeah, you know, throw your hands up in the air. Run around the room. I, I come from that, you know, deep Holy Ghost weirdo community, all right? And I had to make some choices. Look at the scripture in Hebrews again. And let me teach you some understanding. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is, say those words. The word of God is living and powerful. Say it again. The, the word of God is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The scripture is not a random text. It is written in the context of warning people how they need to interact with God. Contextually, it's rooted in Psalm 95 and the story of the Exodus. So I want you to hear this. The word of God is living and powerful. In, in Psalm 95 and 7, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. See, this scripture is a warning about how the people of God need to be more than readers of the word of God, but the word is supposed to make a difference. 
He's reminding them of the Israelites in the desert who heard the word of God but rejected it and died in the wilderness. Anybody hear this? As the Israelites are on a journey, we are also on a journey. And as the Israelites were thirsty and hungry, we also get thirsty and hungry. As the Israelites sometimes didn't know what was going on, we lots of times don't know what's going on. But he's saying that the word of God is living and active. Sometimes we read stories of the New Testament times and the Pharisees, and we get a little super spiritual, and we say, you know, if I would have been there, I wouldn't have been like Peter. I would have spoke up for the Lord. You know, I, I would have told them where to jump off. I would have told them, you bunch of weak vessels. I would, have, I would have proclaimed the truth to them. But really, what is it about your life that leads you to believe that you would have done anything than they would have done? What is it? I mean, when you look back, are we really any different than they are? Really, what is it about your life that leads you to believe that you wouldn't have done that? This scripture is suggesting that from the beginning, people have heard my word, got a little excited, and then quit. So he's saying here in Psalms and then again in Hebrews, hear his voice and respond to his voice. So say that with me. I need to hear his voice, and secondly, I need to respond. In order to embrace spiritual gifts, you need to understand this. We are not a quiet little group of church people that meet to meditate on Sundays. It's not what we are. You're a Christian. Yeah, I went to church. So what are you doing about that? We are instruments of the Holy Spirit. Say that out loud. We are instruments of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God is not just on the page. His Word is now inside of us, and it is alive and powerful. So in order to unwrap the gifts of the Spirit, you need to understand some things. One, the Word of God is alive. In Acts chapter 7, verse 38, Stephen makes this statement. He says, this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt saying to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for, the, as for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. In other words, Stephen is saying, you guys are no different than the children of Israel who got upset with Moses. Stephen wasn't an apostle. He's, he's, what you're reading, Acts 7, is not the words of an apostle. It's the work of a layman. A layman. I mean, if you look at Stephen, probably the work of Stephen was he was a guy who ran potluck dinners for widows. He wasn't massively important, as some would think. But his prophetic chops are powerful. So here's a guy that's just a part. That's all. Just a part. And this is a guy who could not be quiet because the word of God was alive inside of him. In Acts 7, he's preaching to a bunch of accusers who are about to stone him to death. And he declares this reality to them that they should have embraced the living oracles of God. And he proclaims a word prophetically that cuts them to the heart. Aren't you glad that we have the Holy Spirit in us that overcomes borders? 
Gabriel, it's so good to have you here. The good work that you do in Kenya, we need to be more and more a part of that particular work. But isn't it powerful that God's word uh, supersedes borders, supersedes languages? And no matter what you're going through, God's word is so powerful. And he wants to move in our life in such a way that we can get on our mission and go past our borders and speak into every situation that we find ourselves in. Isaiah 55 and 11, the scripture reads this way. So shall my word be that goes out, of, out from my mouth. It shall not re- return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the, in the thing for which I sent it. Now listen. The Spirit of God does the work of God through the living Word of God. Amen. The Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, I want you to do something. Okay, well, here's what I want you to say. And you say, no, I want you to do something. And he says, this is how I do things. And you say, well, Holy Spirit, why didn't you do anything? And the answer is, because I don't believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do something through my life, and I don't want to listen to him. Am I being too rebuking right now? Is anybody with me on this word? See, I, I know that you may not like my style. Or not, maybe you do like my style. You, you, know, you might like my clothes. I think I got my wife dressed me up really nice this morning. You might like the music here. You might not like the music. But that's not what changes the lives of people. Amen. It is the living word of God. It's not whether or not you got the best sneakers on or not. It's the living word of God. I just get to preach God's word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and then the word of God pierces your soul. In fact, it pierces the soul and the spirit. He gets to the guts of your life. The word of God penetrates you. It literally lays us naked before God. It penetrates your flesh, cuts open your human existence. It, It lays us bare before God and before him, not me, you have to give an account for what God's word is, being, is doing in your life right now. Please, don't let the word you hear today be meaningless to you. I can hear you saying, but, but, but pastor, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Freedom Fellowship is that church that believes and responds to the powerful word of God. We believe in the scripture of 1 Corinthians 12. We hold firmly to the living and acting word of, uh, active word of God. The Bible that pierces and lays bare my soul and also calls me to eagerly desire to prophesy. It's that word of God that commands this, that we walk in and be used by and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not pulling this out of my preacher's hat. I'm just telling you what God's word says. This is an answer for many of you today. I might need to throw some more foundation down so you can look to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So there are two things here that, that you're not to do and one thing that you're supposed to do. I'm going to tell you those things, then we're going to pray together and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. One, do not, read it out loud, do not quench the Spirit. Say it, do not quench the Spirit. Don't put out the Spirit's fire by ignoring, by neglecting, by resisting the Spirit of God. Literally, you can stop some really beautiful things that God wants to do in your heart and through your life. I get this. I have struggled in this area because I have dealt with so many weirdos. 
It's like, well, you tell people that they can have the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, that's true. You know, you charismatic Pentecostal folks get weird sometimes. And I want to pray like them at the same time. Sometimes I don't want to be like them. I was uh, working in Fairborn, Ohio many years ago as uh, our second ministry assignment. And pastor, the senior pastor of the church, did something really weird. He called a 5 a.m. prayer meeting every morning. I had to be at the office every morning at 5 a.m. to pray. Can I pray while I'm laying in my bed? No, you got to pray at 5 a.m. in the morning. So I was on staff, and I drug myself out at 5 a.m. in the morning. You know what else you have to do at 5 a.m. in the morning? Not a whole lot. How many believe sleeping at 5 a.m. is a good thing to do? Anybody? So I would lay, I would get in the back of the church all by myself, and I would begin to seek the Lord. And I, something that I found is that at 5 a.m., I don't have anything else to think about. And so I would lay there at 5 a.m., and there were several people that would come at the 5 a.m. prayer meeting, and I began to hear the Holy Spirit deeply and personally and profoundly and did that thing called praying in the Spirit for hours at 5 a.m. in the morning. I would weep and lay my life before the Lord, and I really believe that during those times, God set me up for where I am today. And I know, what, I know what you're afraid of. People, there, people laying their hands on you and pushing you around. I don't put up with that stuff. But, but I think laying hands on people is good. But, but those days showed me the difference. The real and the excess. I have experienced so many great things. Tootsie was here, is here this morning. And I love Tootsie. She has prayed with me on so many occasions. And there have been times in my life when I just called Tootsie and say, Tootsie, this is what I need you to pray for. And then she'd call me back and say, this is what I, I've experienced. This is what the Lord say or the Holy Spirit revealed something to me. Those days shaped me in my ministry and confirmed that I was not doing this ministry by might or by my power, but by the Spirit of God. In my early ministry, I believe he delivered me from sin. He delivered me from the, the clutches of the enemy, from confusion. And he established ministry in my own, own, own life. So all I can say is God has done some things through some, some weirdos. I'm weirded out by people, but some of those weirdos have blown me away. You didn't like that. So do you know how much, how easy it is to know the word and not do the word? To preach the book but not live the book. Most churches get this. You went to church but never became a part of the church. And I'm reminded of this in Psalm 95 verse 7. Today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the days of trial in the wilderness. And I, I hear those weird Exodus stories and people picking up bread off the ground and eating it and clouds and fires and bugs and flies and stepping into rivers and seeing them part because God told them to move. They stepped into the river. And I'm reminded of my great Uncle Tom who used to build churches and, and do tent meetings. And Uncle Tom told me this story one day and I thought, Tom, you're just weird. But he said, uh, you know, I was doing a revival, and I, so I, I, I was clearing ground because they didn't just do revivals in those days. You don't understand this. They didn't just do revivals. They also built a church out of the revival. So he had to clear the ground while he was holding a revival in a cow pasture. He had to clear the ground because after he was done, he was going to have enough people saved in order to build a church. Who does that? So Tom did that. 
And he was cutting wood and he got down on his knees and prayed because he cut a log and he didn't, it was so big he couldn't get it on his wagon. And he got down next to the log and he prayed, Oh God, I, you know, you've led me here. You brought me here to do this. What am I going to do? I can't. And, and Tom told me, he said, Ricky, he said that log turned sideways and rolled up the hill and slid on my wagon and I took it to the sawmill and turned it into lumber and I began to build the church. That was the church where my mom and dad came to Jesus, met one another. That was the church. Can I tell you, that's why I'm standing here today. And you might say, well, I'm not praying about logs. Well, what are you going to pray about? What are you going to see God do miraculously in your life? I don't always get it. And sometimes I think people are crazy, but here's what I know. Sometimes we're so busy protecting ourselves from the supernatural that we don't ever experience it. And we are left with a book about signs, but we are people without signs. And our children are left wondering about the power that we speak of and the faith that we have. Do not quench the Spirit. And then finally, do not despise prophecies. 1 Corinthians 14 but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort. Prophecy. It's a supernatural word given to a person for someone else to build them up and encourage them in the Lord. It is the verbal event where someone has the privilege of knowing something that they should not know or they do not know by other means. But they are impressed. Anybody hear this? Impressed by Holy Spirit. To know it for the purposes of encouraging someone's heart or give correction or to give them understanding. It's called prophecy. Say it, prophecy. prophecy. Okay, and if you don't like the word, say a word. Say that, a word. To say, I got a word. I feel impressed by the Holy Spirit with this word. Why are prophecies easy to despise? Is because sometimes people use the gifts in such immature ways that allow them to be despised. I've had some strange moments here, people running up and saying, Thus saith the Lord. Be careful with that. It'd be better off to offer a word of prophecy with a word of humility. As your flesh surrenders to the Spirit, you'll be supernaturally impressed, actually using such terminologies as, Brother, sister, I feel impressed of the Holy Spirit to speak this to you and then ask them to pray and discern for themselves for clarity of the Holy Spirit. Does the church need this? Anybody need this? Keep your ink pen handy or your phone handy beside your bed because the Holy Spirit will speak to you and during your prayer time. You know, I, and, and, you know I've, I've had nasty moments where I've seen people get crazy about it, but I've had such great moments, great moments where I get excited. Somebody calls, say, Pastor, I need to see you. I'm saying, yep, I know what that's about because God's about to speak to me. But, but, but you know, sometimes we have, we're really bad at preaching. You know, maybe your gift, I don't know what your gift is, you know, because I, I remember I, I had a good brother who preached one day and he was really bad at it, okay? His name was Steve Oliver, okay? You might remember him. He just... Really, I mean, I love Steve, one of the great founders of the church, but I didn't have him preach too often. I had preached one time, realized that was not his gift. <laughs> Benito Fonseca walked up after church and said, Pastor Rick, he said, don't do that to your people. And <laughs> Steve thought that was hilarious, by the way. Look, 
Some people are going to be gifted in their ability to, to be evangelists and, and all of that. I, listen, I, I love, that's one of the reasons I love a word from God because prophecy is one of those sign gifts. It's one of those confirmation gifts. It's one of those things, Mama, you can have in the middle of the afternoon where Holy Spirit will tell you and inspire you how to handle that rotten baby that will not settle down today. He'll speak uh, through somebody, give you a word regarding your vocation. Some people say, well, I don't know what to do about my business, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you or through you or through somebody else if you'll just pay attention. Look back at the scripture. He says, test everything and hold on to what is good. I've got three minutes to send you out the door, so stay with me. Test everything and hold on to what is good. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. I love that he says test, or another word is discern. Don't get mad, get honest, discern it. If you don't want me to pray about your word, please don't give it to me. The great news is that we get to test and discern the gifts. Here's the great news about prophecy. You know you're going to get to pray about it, and the Holy Spirit is going to say yes in your spirit as well. For some of us that grew up in craziness, you know, people are all about self-promotion and looking more spiritual than the other guy. No, I'm not talking about when the word of God converges with the supernatural wonder, when the spirit of God proclaims the truth of the living God, when God's people are built up and walk in power because that which is prophetic is clearly of heaven and is impacting the church and the church begins to rise. That's what I want to see. Test and discern doesn't mean to always be skeptical. It means that you need to always look at spiritual gifts as if they are... Always fake. No. Test and discern means pursue spiritual gifts. Don't quench. Be curious and grow. Stand with me, would you, as I wrap this up? Because if you're not standing, I'll keep preaching. You've heard me tell some of these stories. In my youth ministry days, one day, the Holy Spirit told me that he would double my ministry in one day. He told me that, but he also told me to proclaim it. So I started telling other people that. And you know what happened? In one day, my youth group doubled. Happened in one day. It was supernatural. Some of you might remember when I was telling those stories. I'm here today. Years ago, in 1985, a minister invited me to come to his church in Illinois and sing. In, at an event and uh, I went and sang they were having this big musical pr- presentation they wanted me to, to, to come and sing and I, I went and um, after that uh, he contacted me another day and he said I want you to come and be the worship minister at our church and be my associate and I told him no because I prayed about it and the Holy Spirit said that's not my plan for you and he told me but my Staff, my elders have told me to offer you whatever it would take to get you to come and work for us. And again, I told him no because I prayed and the Holy Spirit told me no. But the Holy Spirit told me something else. He told me that I would work with him, but that's not where I would work with him. And so I gave him what the Holy Spirit said. He just kind of shook his head. I thought, you're the pastor. You ought to be able to. And Anyway, um, then I had two more incidents after that 
One was that I had a pastor that was offering us an opportunity to go to another state and work. And we packed our bags. And then the night that we were to move, after we had resigned our, our church, the Holy Spirit spoke to Diane and I simultaneously in the middle of the night and said, you've made a mistake. Don't go. I'm thinking, Lord, why didn't you tell me that before I said yes? And it was because I wasn't listening. But it was also because he wanted to test me to see if I would obey his word in my heart. So the movers were coming and we called them. They were halfway here. They were driving from Ypsilanti, Michigan to Southern Illinois. And uh, they showed up and we said, we're sorry, but we can't go with you. And he said, you know, we were on the way and we were praying. And the Lord spoke to us and said, you weren't coming. And some people think, well, that's just weird. That's crazy. But that's what happened. And then a month and a half later, the same pastor that I had turned down moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia, called me on the phone and asked me to move here and be the associate pastor. And I said, yes. I mean, little, that pastor didn't know that he was leaving the church that he was leaving. And why? And when he called, I said, absolutely, yes, because the Lord had already told me that he would ask a second time. So I am here today by the prophetic utterance of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that God wants to deliver you from the silence that you have in the Spirit. And what He's going to do with your life is He's going to begin to answer questions that you have had for years. You don't know what to do about your home. You don't know what to do about your family. You don't know what to do about your work. You don't know what to do about your ministry. You don't understand. And he said, stop despising prophecy. And do not quench the spirit. And I'll answer the questions that you have in your life. Anybody receive this word today? Come on, let's lift our hands and give praise to the Lord. We thank you, Father, for your word. I want my spirit and life team to come and stand in the altar and be ready to pray with individuals. I want those of you that are in this room that believe what I've preached, I just want you to say two words to the Holy Spirit. I want you to say, yes, Lord. Just say that, yes, Lord. Say it, yes, Lord. And I want you to stand now, and I want you just to be, just soak in His Spirit. And some of you have questions, and some of you have difficulties, and I would like you to receive answers right now. I'd like you just to begin to receive answers. I want you to hear the Holy Spirit. You can test them by the Word of God. You can test them by talking to me or talking to other leaders. But Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you about what's been going on in your life. And God is saying now, I want to help you. Now just play some music, sing a little bit. Jesus, Jesus. Now, some of you are in great struggle, and perhaps there is silence, and that's one of the reasons we have a spirit life team standing up here right now, so that you can have somebody else to pray with you. And, and when you do, they might ask you something like, if I have a word from the Lord, would you receive that? So you should prepare in your heart. If you're going to pray with somebody, anticipate that God is not quiet. God knows what you're going through. It might be as simple as, as the Holy Spirit saying to you, giving you a prophetic word. You need to be patient during this time because I have a plan. And there's testing that's going on in your home right now. There might be something like that that's being going on. But you need to listen carefully to Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Some of you need prayer today. 
and you want somebody to pray with you, perhaps there is illness in your home, perhaps there's a struggle that you're going through, these individuals are here to pray with you and to trust the Lord with you. So if you would like to come for prayer, come on now. Come on, start moving towards the altar and allow these people who are prophetically prepared in order to minister to you to pray with you. Tell them what's going on. Tell them what's going on in your life. Father, we give you thanksgiving. We give you thanksgiving. Thank you for your presence in this room. Thank you for what you have accomplished in this house today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we believe that you have spoken. And Lord, you're telling some of the individuals in this room prophetically today that you would like to use them in a greater way to speak to them and through them. Prophetically, some of them will receive their call into ministry today. Some of them will receive an answer that they have had for years. Come, Holy Spirit, answer our needs. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, we give you thanks for what you've said to us today. We thank you and will not quench the spirit. We thank you, Father, for these gifts, and we receive them gratefully in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you all. I'm just going to let you minister to one another. Uh, You be dismissed when you choose. If you want prayer, come on towards the front. May the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you all. Walk in the spirit. Sing. Shall I walk? I shall not walk. Running over and I shall not walk. Shall not walk. Shall not walk. I shall not walk. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not walk. I shall not walk, I shall not walk, cause my cup's running over, running over, and I shall not, I've got goodness, I've got goodness, don't bounce me, and i got mercy, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. I've got goodness and I've got mercy. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I've got goodness. I've got goodness and I've got mercy. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I've got I've got goodness and I've got mercy. Hallelujah. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley, and I shall not want. Shall not want. Shall not walk. I shall not walk. Oh, my cup's running over, running.